precious Lamb of God. Thank you for the Lamb, precious Lamb of God. Lord, because of your grace, Lord, I can finish the race. The precious Lamb of God. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you and bless you for this day and this time. And we ask now, God, that you would give us preaching power, clarity of thought and communication, both in what is said and what is heard, so that your people would hear from you and in hearing from you, would be moved and convicted to become more like you. Have your way, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. How do you know if someone's life has really been changed when they become a Christian? Maybe the better question is how do you know your life has really been changed now that you say you are a Christian. For most people, being a Christian is not so much the changing of their old ways as much as it is the adopting of a new set of rules or guidelines to live your life by. So you pick up some new ritual, some new routine. You bring this new religious belief system into your life and hopefully you make some changes in your actions and attitudes and prayerfully you do more good than you do bad and after all of that you say I think I'm a pretty good Christian but the Bible says to really be a Christian as God commands is to not be controlled by the washing of your flesh, but it's to be controlled by submitting your life to the Holy Spirit. So if you are a child of God, what's the evidence? How can we tell whether or not you are truly a Christian? It's not the periodic adopting of certain principles or practices. It's really about your relationship with God and your willingness to yield yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk to you from the thought, the evidence you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know for some of you, I'm, I'm, I'm venturing into deep water because when I talk about being filled with the Spirit, most of us see being filled with the Spirit as a Christian luxury. Uh, for somebody in here, you, you think being filled with the Spirit somehow suggests that you are looking to become a spiritual elitist. When in actuality, being filled with the Spirit is not something extra in the Christian life, it's really standard equipment. And most of us have not learned how to allow God to fill us, to control us, so that we can be used by God the way God wants and we can walk in the power that God has made available 
to us. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand. Four things I want you to see today that I believe will give you some insight into how to really experience a change in your life. Because the truth of the matter is, you can be saved, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and still not walk in the power of being filled with the Spirit of God. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to realize being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time act, but you must allow yourself to be repeatedly filled by the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time act. There are multiple works of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, including the depositing of the gift of the Holy Spirit, wanting to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But in our text today, Paul lays out this challenge to allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. In verse 18, Ephesians chapter 5, the New Living Translation says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul lays out this juxtaposition comparing being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. The idea of being drunk with wine refers to being controlled by that substance. Uh, you have probably never been drunk with anything, but you probably know somebody <laughs> who's been under the influence. You probably seen somebody on television or something that's been under the influence. And, and, and you know that when you are under the influence of another substance or product, it affects how you interact with other people. It affects how you see the world. It affects how you think. It affects how you talk. It affects how you walk. It affects how you behave. There are things that people do when they are drunk that they don't do when they are sober. All barriers are down when you're drunk. All boundaries are gone when you're drunk, right? People say things they wouldn't normally say and do things they wouldn't normally do because they are under the control of that liquor or that substance. Paul says don't be controlled by strong drink. Don't be controlled by wine. Be controlled or Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice something here. There are two imperatives in verse 18. The first one is don't get drunk with wine. The second imperative is to be filled with the Spirit. Now, the reason that's important is because you being filled with the Spirit is really not something you can choose to do or not to do. It is a command from God. Every one of us we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. It's in the present tense, which means it's a continuous action. You must be filled and work to remain filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. But what's interesting is it's in the passive voice, which means you don't feel yourself. As a matter of fact, if you feel yourself, you are probably full of something that's not the Holy Spirit. As a child of God, you are to yield yourself 
to being filled or controlled by the Spirit. This idea of filling is not a spatial filling where you take, for example, a pitcher and you pour something into an empty glass. This is literally about control. Now, being filled is not a luxury. You know, sometimes when you hear the word filled and it's tied to the Spirit, People are like, oh, I'm not one of them holy folk like that. I ain't, I ain't, you know, I ain't trying to be filled with the Spirit like that. Like it's some kind of mystical thing. And somehow if you're filled by the Spirit, you're going to fall out and roll all over the floor. And we've got to cover you with a sheet and all that stuff. I ain't trying to be all emotional like that, Pastor. No, being filled with the Spirit is simply allowing the Spirit of God to control your life. To control what you think, to control what you say, to control what you do. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, same people. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Verse 52, Acts 13, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Same disciples, filled at different times, but not to do just one thing. As they were filled with the Spirit of God, God controlled them and used them to do what he had commanded them to do. Can you think of at least one time in your life when the Spirit of God controlled you? I mean, one of those times when you looked and you was like, wow, I'm proud of you, boy. You looked at yourself, you said, girl, you show, you show growing in your faith because there was a time, <laughs> right, when you would have, but Lord, the Holy Ghost show must have had you. You was like, thank you, Jesus. But here's the problem. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So just when you think the Spirit has control of you, the devil will rear his ugly head and try to snatch you out of the spirit and pull you all back in your flesh. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize there must be inward evidence in your heart that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. There must be inward evidence in your heart that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Ephesians chapter 5. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Now, what's amazing to me is many times when we quote scriptures, we quote them in terms of the proper content of the scripture, but we quote them outside of their proper context. And because we lose the context of the content, sometimes we allow it to egg us on into improper conduct. We've got to stop and understand when God gives us a word, he gives it to us within a context. So while all of us have probably heard at one time or another, be filled with the spirit, we didn't read verse 19 that came after verse 18. What's the evidence that you are filled with the spirit? Look, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves 
and making music to the Lord in your hearts. God says when you are filled with the Spirit, when you are controlled by the Spirit, it affects how you communicate with each other and how you communicate with God. What do you say to God? See, singing is a picture of joy. Singing is, is, is a picture of, of trust. Singing is, is a picture of understanding that God is in charge. And, and watch this. He gives us the itinerary that we should be singing. He says you should be singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, the word psalms there speaks to the Psalter, right? The book of Psalms, 150 psalms that we have. And those psalms were Israel's hymn book. So those psalms were literally set to music. As a matter of fact, when you read the psalms, and you have probably seen the word selah, S-E-L-A-H, selah, modern translations will put in there the word interlude. It's literally a word that meant pause, right? So correctly read, you should never read the word selah, because Selah is simply just telling you, stop for a moment, <laughs> right? It's, it's a musical term. Uh, so God says, when you sing those songs, make sure your song singing is rooted in the word, in the psalms, and then in the hymns, in the hymns. Uh, what, what many of us miss today are the power of hymns to transmit theological truths in musical form. Uh, We have songs now that are built on catchy phrases and slogans being repeated over and over again. We we don't have songs that are theologically dense that you could uh, uh, have a Bible study around like we used to. Uh, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilt and stain. We we don't have those kinds of songs being written today like they were in the past. Those songs taught theological truths to a functionally illiterate society. So what people couldn't read, they memorized to a tune and in song. He says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh, That that phrase, spiritual songs, scholars believe refers to uh, those songs that you sing to God about what God has done in your life out of your own experiences. So your spiritual song may be a little different than my spiritual song. My song may be different than yours because you don't know like I know what God has done for me. But, it, but it's one of those songs I think grandmama and them used to be able to sing in, in, in the kitchen all by herself and get happy. And, and pots would start flying, but, but there was nobody she was throwing them at. You follow what I'm saying? There was, a, there, there was an internal joy that was there, an understanding that, that she belonged to God and God was hers. And, 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 and the Bible says when you are filled with the Spirit, there, there should be this internal evidence in your heart that 
you are under the control of God. That, that's what happened with, with Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail in Acts 16, verse 25. The Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Watch how, how important it is to be filled with the Spirit. They had a song to sing even though they were in a place where there was no singing going on. Right? Because they didn't need everybody around them to agree with their singing. And they knew that they could sing a song to the Lord despite the circumstances they found themselves in. I wish I had a witness in here somewhere who understood when you're filled with the Spirit, you can have joy even in the midst of a joyless situation. You may not understand what you're going through, but you can sing a song of joy because you know who's with you in the midst of what you're going through. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Here's the second, uh, third thing. Number three. You need to realize there must be upward evidence in you giving thanks to God to show you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to realize there must be upward evidence in you giving thanks to God to show you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, Ephesians chapter 5, and give thanks for everything. Circle that word everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. One translation puts it like this. Give thanks always to God for all things. That means in everything, a spirit-filled person gives thanks. Even when you don't understand in your flesh what's going on around you and it may not make sense to you when you are led by controlled by filled with the spirit of god you recognize that you give thanks to god because whether or not you understand it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not god can work it out anybody in here ever gone through something that just didn't make sense I mean, you were like, God, I, I know what Romans 8.28 says, that all things work together, but I ain't seeing the good out of all of this that's going on, right? I'm not feeling it. I'm not getting it. Can I tell you something? Even at that moment when you are articulating skepticism and doubt and questioning, you are not filled with the Spirit at that point. Because what you are doing is resting upon the understanding and the ability of your flesh to make sense out of what you see. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit of God is the ultimate sense of, write this down somewhere, worship. It's the ultimate sense of worship. Because what you're saying is, God, I'm going to thank you. Whether it makes sense to me or not, I'm going to thank you. Whether I see it or not, I'm going to thank you. It's painful, but I'm going to thank you. I don't, I don't understand it, but I'm going to thank you because I recognize, God, that you are still God even when what I go through is tough to handle. See, see a spirit-filled person 
recognizes that you're in God's hand and what God doesn't keep you from, he'll keep you through. And instead of focusing on the glass half empty, you focus on the glass half filled and drink what you have in the glass because you're thankful for God being in your life. Because as tough as it is to go through what you're going through, you know how tough it would be to go through it without God on your side. Look at Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 1.2, let's read it together. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, let's read it together. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God for Christ Jesus for you. Here's the fourth and final thing. Number four, you need to realize there must be outward evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit by how you interact with others. There must be outward evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit by how you interact with others. How can we know whether or not you are filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we know whether or not you are being controlled by the Holy Spirit? The final evidence that Paul lays out is in how you interact with each other. Look at verse 21, Ephesians 5. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, what's interesting is as you read Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul starts talking about wives submitting to your husbands, and husbands loving your wives, that all of that is in the immediate context of being filled with the Spirit. Because I believe Paul understands there's some things I got to tell you that will only be done in the Spirit because of the unwillingness or the limitations of your flesh. So before he talks about wives submitting to your husbands and husbands loving your wives, before he gets to 1 Corinthians 7 talking about husbands, your body doesn't belong to you, it belongs to your wife. Wives, your body don't belong to you, it belongs to your husband. He says we got to learn how to submit to one another. And, and, and that word literally speaks to living a life that takes into account somebody else's feelings besides your own. See, a spirit-filled person does not have a spirit of criticism, a spirit of dissension, a spirit of envy, a spirit of divisiveness, or a spirit of selfishness. A person who is filled with the spirit is willing to yield, to give up the right of way. Um. How do you enter a highway? How do you get on the on-ramp when you see a yield sign? I'm, I'm going to help somebody today just drive better. 
Because most folk, when they see a yield sign, they think a yield sign means put your pedal to the metal, gun it, gas it, and squeeze it the best way you can. Blow your horn and look sideways at somebody for not stopping and letting you in. That's not what the yield sign is supposed to produce. When you see a yield sign, the yield sign basically says, look and go only if it's clear. If not, be prepared to stop. Be prepared to stop because you don't have the right of way. Most folk drive thinking if they can just get in, they got the right of way. I've seen folk in car accidents halfway in the lane talking about I, I, was, I was coming out. They didn't stop. You were supposed to yield. You didn't have the right of way. And the Bible says when you are filled with the spirit, you know what you learn how to do? Yield. Husbands learn how to yield to their wives. Wives learn how to yield to their husbands. Children are taught how to yield to their parents, right? Not about you being right or wrong. Sometimes you just need to yield. That's why we have so many head-on collisions in the body of Christ. Because two folk who think they're right, who are Christians, think they are both being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit of God is not about confusion. God wants to reign in your life. He, he wants to control you. To keep you from acting a fool in his name. The, the Holy Ghost is trying to, no, 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 stop. Don't, don't say nothing. Just be quiet. And, and you know when you know the Spirit of God is having control over you when you would have went off and you held your peace. <laughs> and here's the testimony of a person filled with the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, yes, sir, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you boy, you held me then, Lord. I know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, boy, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Well, I mean, you, you start quoting all kinds of stuff. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. Yes, Oh, if I ever needed you before, I need you now, Lord. Come in here. Come by here, Lord. <laughs> Come by here, right? Because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Control you to keep you from going over to that flesh side. Even when you feel justified in going over to that flesh side. I want you to write this down somewhere. I want to give you three things that you can do to position yourself to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because being under the control of the Holy Spirit is not about getting a blessing as much as it is about being a blessing. So let me give you three things. Um, one, confess your sins to God. Confess your sins to God. Now, here's the biggest challenge that somebody in here is going to have to being under the control of the Holy Spirit. You won't call sin, sin. You call it your personality. 
It's just the way I am. Other folk better get used to it. I've always been like this. But it's sin. How you talk to folk, how you treat folk, how you act is sin. You thinking the house is supposed to revolve around you and you are on the throne and everybody else in the family, they are your royal subjects. Sin. Sin. It's sin. I know some of you are going, no, no, get it out. Sin. You got to call it what it is. You can't confess it if you won't call it what it is. That's why we spend so much time in the body of Christ focusing on the gifts of the Spirit and spend little, if any time, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Not understanding that gifts come without repentance. But fruit gives your gifts validity and activates them in the proper way. Confess your sins to God. Here's the second thing. Crown him the Lord of your life. For somebody, you may need to have your own ceremony. You know, we are fascinated by royalty. Millions of people wanted to watch the royal weddings, right? And, and people are talking about when is the queen going to step down? Is she going to step down? And, and, and they're going to skip Charles or they're going to go straight to, um, what's the boy's name? Not Harry. William. I know y'all knew the name. I know. <laughs> will, will you take the time to say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to make you the king of my life. I'm, I'm going to submit everything in my life to you. What I do, what I say, where I go. Lord, I'm going I'm to let you rule and reign over my life. Here's the third thing. Make sure you keep yourself off the throne every time you want to ease on the throne. Make sure you check yourself, keep yourself off the throne every time you're ready to sneak on the throne. See, because if you don't keep tabs on yourself before you know it, in your flesh, you'll be right back on the throne. When you get angry, you know where you are? Sitting on the throne. See, because anger says, you violated me. You did something I didn't want you to do. Or you took me someplace I didn't want to go. When you make God the throne, uh, the king of your life, you know what you end up saying to God? God, there are some folk over here in my life that are too mean for me to change. So I'm not even going to try to change them anymore. Lord, I'm going to give them to you. Because you're in charge. And if you can't change them, I sure can't change them. Uh, so I've, I've, got, I've got this pit bull named Thor, and, and Thor has been doing his best to get put out of my house. Because uh, Thor, I mean, I love Thor. I really do. I love Thor. But Thor is a chewer. And I don't care what you give him, he's going to chew it and chew through it and chew it up. You know them big old rawhide bones you see in the store? and They're they supposed to last at least two or three days. Thor couple hours gone 
I'm, you give them big ham bones, you give them shanks, I mean, you give them whatever, gone. Like the dude, just, I mean, he just goes through bone. And so he started chewing on stuff in it, the yard furniture, chewing on that, chewing the hoses up, chewing on that. And uh, I was telling somebody about it, and they gave me a little hint. I got to go pick up some stuff from the store. But, but he's a chewer, right? And so I can't leave him out when I'm gone. I can't just let him walk around in the house because ain't no telling what he's going to chew, furniture, shoes. He's just a chewer, right? And what I've learned is when he's around me, he's good. But whenever he's out of eyesight, I need to find out where he is in a hurry because he will slip into someplace he got no business being and start chewing. And when you call him, he knows he's in trouble. He knows he's been doing what he shouldn't do because he come his head down, ears down. It's all, man, what you been doing, man? Let me go follow up, right? See what? Because he going to slip and ease back into that chewing every chance he gets. Listen to me. Your flesh every chance it's get, it's, it's going to ease back on that throne. It, every chance you get, every chance you get, man, you got to pull your flesh, you got to yank your flesh back in, I mean, like, like, like on, on a horse pulling the reins. You got to say, whoa, get back. Because I see where you're going. You are going where you have no business going. Look at Matthew 18, beginning at verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like, the ch like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, let's read it together. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, do nothing from selfish ambition, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So I want to encourage you. As we move out of this year, you get ready to move into the next year. Do everything you can to allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Right? Family's going to be coming over. Or you're going to be going to be with family. And you already know some of them folk get on your last nerve, right? Because <laughs> we can't choose our family members, and we got some special family members, you know. And some of them think you special. Amen. <laughs> you not excited to see them? They not excited to see you, right? But maybe your prayer needs to be before you go to the family gathering, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Control my mind. Control my tongue. Control my mind so I don't think the wrong thoughts. Control my tongue so I don't say the wrong things. Control my feet so I don't go the wrong way. Control my hands so I don't do the wrong thing. Some, some, uh, I, I, I'm, on, I'm knocking on somebody's door. You're like, 
Yeah, yeah, Pastor. Thank you for that Christmas prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer. <laughs> Somebody, you need to pray that before you go to work. That, that needs to be your daily prayer. Lord, fill me with your spirit this day. And you might need a booster shot throughout the day. Because remember, whenever anybody gets a chance, what they're going to do? Pull you back into your flesh. That's the devil's plan. And I don't know about you, but you know what's funny? When folk pull you back by your flesh and pull you out of the spirit, and then what, what do the folks say? I thought she was a Christian. I thought he was a Christian. I was till you started acting up. Can you help me be a good Christian? You know what I mean? Like, why you got to help me go in my flesh? I wasn't trying to go in my flesh today. But you took me there. I shouldn't have went. But you took me. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that uh, somebody would leave here today understanding that it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does to them because how we respond is our choice. And the truth of the matter is the opinion that other people have of us is really none of our business. Help us to just focus on being who you have called us to be. Help us, God, to yield ourselves so that we can be filled by your spirit, be controlled by your spirit. And then, God, as we move through our days and move through our lives, by your Holy Spirit, remind us and show us that you, you I, I got you, see, you, you're yielding to me so that we can be encouraged by doing better and that ultimately we would do better to your glory and to your honor. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name.